when we began conference preview season, there were 10 weeks until the college basketball season tips off on November 7th. There are now five weeks. So if you've missed any of these previews, we've whipped our way through the landscape. We've done all of the high major leagues except for the SEC. But we've still got a lot to get to before November 7th. And today, Brad, we're tackling two leagues, two very interesting leagues, uh, the American and the Atlantic 10. Um, Naturally, because we are doubling up, that means we can't be quite as in-depth as we are on the high major leagues. We apologize to the fans of both conferences. Uh, I will put in the description the time change when we go from the American to the Atlantic 10. So if you are just an A-10 fan, I know I have a lot of those of you that follow me, or you're just an AAC fan. we got plenty of those as well. You want to check the, just check out your section. That's fine. We'll allow it. I, if you're like a Houston Cougar fan, you may not need 10 minutes on Loyola Chicago basketball, but I'm going to give it to you. So it'll be an option. How, yeah, how I, are we feeling I, I think the uh, teams with fans will be, will be treated the same way as, teams from the Big East and Big Ten and whatnot. Yes, we, we we just do not have the ability to spend the amount of time we spend on some of the rebuilding teams, which... Maybe you know, like Tulsa fans should, should should skip this one. I mean, if you want to hear about the less of the league, I, I do like Eric Conkle. We'll get into that in a bit. But uh, we will, without further ado, let's get into the American, uh, which is the first... which is the last year of the American in this iteration... Uh, Houston headed out after this year, um, as well as UCF and Cincinnati. Obviously, Houston has been a basketball power in recent years under Kelvin Sampson. Uh, you know, five straight years now, Houston uh, has finished in the top 20 of Ken Palm. So it's certainly a big deal for Houston to depart the league. UCF, not necessarily the basketball brand, but Cincinnati also is a very good basketball program, and they're off to the Big 12. Uh, so, Certainly, the league will be in transition. Six Conference USA teams join the fray. Um, so, so this league's future as a multi-bid league is, I think, shaky. This league will be better than the Conference USA after this year, but it won't be enough better that it's, like, a guaranteed – I think it'll probably be, like, A-10 level, Brad. Does that does that feel, like, reasonable-ish? I mean, I don't know who's in the conference. So next year we're losing Cincinnati, Houston, and Central Florida. Correct. And we are adding who? UAB? Uh, UAB. Uh, North Texas? North Texas. Two good programs. Two very good programs. Yeah. Um, they're adding Charlotte. Really? Potential. Potential. Um, FAU. Has not been that good traditionally, but again, a, a place like that has had potential that's won in football. UTSA has not had a lot of success, but again, is winning big in football. And Rice, academic, Houston, struggles, not an easy job. So that's not as good. I don't think that, I still don't think that's, I don't know, I don't know that'll be as good as the A10, but it will be better than the Conference USA because you'll still have Memphis, you'll still have SMU, you're adding North Texas, you're adding UAB. You'll still have Temple, which is obviously a brand uh, in, in this sport. You know, Tulane is trending up under Ron Hunter. Wichita State's a very good program. So this, I think there's a good chance this winds up being a multi-bid league in the end, but I certainly don't think it will be as strong as it is now. And it's not exactly a beacon of strength as it is currently constructed. Yeah, because a lot of those teams 
like your North Texas and even like to some extent San Antonio recently, right? They they've had like really nice Ken Palms. Like I know North Texas may, may have even had a top 51 recently. Uh, I think some of those other Sun Belt schools were kind of, or, or a Conference USA schools rather had like sneakier overall profiles than you would think. But how much does that translate on a national national perspective that you know U- UTSA was sneaky 120th when probably if you made people guess they would have said 200th. You know how, how much does that really matter? Uh, probably not a lot. I think the the future of the AAC may depend on whether Wichita State can be back to being Greg Marshall Wichita State. We will get, we will get into Wichita State. There this, this is a huge year for them. This is a major year. crossroads. Big crossroads for Isaac Brown in year three. We'll get into that shortly. As we do with all these podcasts, we go from the winner last season working down in the standings, uh, and we will give you our standings projections and whatnot as we go. Um, but that means we start with Houston, who went 15-3, 32-6 overall. They go to the Elite Eight. Um, considering this team got 12 games total out of Marcus Sasser, unbelievable year. I mean, Kelvin Sampson stuns us again and just how good a job he has done. Josh turned Josh Carlton into the, like one of the best players in the American after he struggled for four years at UConn, um, developed Jamal shed mid season, um, took a Cal state Bakersfield transfer and Tajay Moore and made him a perfect fit. I think it's very obvious at this point that Kelvin Sampson is one of the elite coaches in college basketball and gives you a chance to think every year to be in that top 15 to top 20 mix stylistically uh, and with the way that they've recruited and developed players. I mean, you think about it, we've talked about this, I think last year, like they lose Rob Gray, they lose, you know, Armani Brooks, they lose Nate Hinton, they lose um, the Robinson kid that they had in the backcourt. Like, Every year, it feels like they lose a piece or two. That's huge to their team. Say, okay, maybe this is the year they step back, and they just do not. And this year, they have their most talented team. They bring in two two highly regarded freshmen, and Jarris Walker and Terrence Arsenault, both who could be first round picks. Walker is a clear kind of lottery level prospect, super high motor, athletic forward. I think will be an awesome fit in Samson's system that requires the bigs to be able to. Go, go after the boards and be able to be active on both ends. I think Jarris will be an awesome fit. And then Arsenault is a three and D kind of prototype type kid that maybe his recruiting ranking doesn't suggest lock one and done. But I think there's a good chance that when all said and done, especially if this team makes a run in March, that this kid winds up one and done as well. They've got a potential first round pick, a point guard in Marcus Sasser. Shed, who we mentioned, was nails down the stretch last year. Tremont Mark back. He was injured last season. Um, yeah, bring back Reggie Chaney and Jawan Roberts, veterans up front. This team pretty much checks every box, and I think, you know, if you may, if you wanted to put them number one in the country, I wouldn't fight you on it. I, I think. I would. Uh, oh wow. Okay. I. So, I think that we're really overrating the pieces here. So, now, so I, I I have Houston at sixth, so it's woo. not like I have them, you know, that far down. But it, it feels like people are really. I mean, Sasser's like an all-American. Yeah, Sasser could be the best guard in the country. Might be the best player. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely best guard. Might be the best player. 
And all all the buzz seems good from Arsenal and Walker as freshmen. And, you know, guys like Roberts and Chaney really fit the system. But, like, Roberts and Chaney, like, aren't that talented. Like, no. they're not nearly as talented as, like, UNC or Gonzaga or Duke's or even UCLA's front line. Correct. The uh, system's doing a lot, of, a lot of work here to get Houston number one. Like, Jamal Shedd, I ranked him as a top 100 player, certainly. I think I had him in, like, the 70s. I don't see him as, like, a borderline All-American, which I've, I've seen and felt people have him as, like, top 30-ish player in the country. I, I don't see that at all. I, don't, I wouldn't go there, but I think he's a – I think if, if Sasser wasn't back, he would be, like, unanimously, like, a five, top five to ten point guard in the sport. Like, do you really think Jamal Shedd is that much worse than Tiger Campbell? I, I think Campbell's better. I think he's probably a little bit better, but like, I don't think it's a huge gap. Let me let me pull up my list for some other names. So, like, I, I have Jamal Shedd, like, ranked around, in terms of point guards, and ter- around Isaiah Stevens, Marcus Carr, Yuri Collins. Is that fair or, or not? I don't think that's unfair. That's fine. So, like, give, I, you know, we said Campbell. Um, Nigel Pack, Tyrese Hunter, Severe Wheeler, Jeremy Roach. Okay. So, so I guess the question I, I guess the question I would have for you is this, right? Like, I agree. I, I don't, I don't actually know that I would object to like if you were saying here are the six, the teams with the six best chances to win the national title if you put them sixth. But like, the floor is so dang high. Right, especially knowing the league. It's kind of like the Gonzaga thing, right? Where, like, you know because of the league that they're in uh, that they're going to run up a total. They're going to run up 15 conference wins. That's a given. Maybe 16, maybe even 17. So as long as they don't, you know, tank in the non-con, which they're not going to, they're going to wind up, you know, 30 and 3 or something like that heading into March Madness. And that's probably, like, that. that's going to be the mix for the number one overall seed. I also don't think this team is any less talented. And in fact, I think they might be more talented than the team that went to the final four. Like, I don't like, like I think like, J- like Jairus is really good. Like, I, I, I don't think Sasser shed Mark Jairus Cheney is substantially worse. I think it's probably better. Honestly, than Jero, Sasser, Grimes, Cheney, White. Whoa, no, no, no. I think it's close. The Houston Final Four backcourt with Quentin Grimes, Marcus Sasser, and Dejan Jero is, I, I think that's way better than the backcourt right now of Shed, Sasser, Mark. I don't think I don't think Shed's substantially worse than Dejan Jero. That's, Shed was the best guard on Elite Eight team. That, that's an interesting question, but Quinton Grimes is way better than Tremont Marcus. Yes, but Marcus Sasser now is the Quinton Grimes now uh, of them. Tremont Marcus, sophomore Sasser. That's fair, but Mark, Mark, I think. And, Ar- and Arsenal could be that guy, and Arsenal might be the first round pick. Mark's like an interesting prospect. Like he he, he had a good good year on that Final Four team. He was always like an interesting player. Like he's not a great shooter. He, yeah, that's fair. I think he's being wildly overrated by most people. Like he could average double figures. He could be a very good piece for them. 
But I think people are treating him like this is like an all-American kind of thing. So, so, so I guess I guess the question with from for me I have is this: like, is the only thing holding you back from saying okay, this is like a top three team? Is you're saying the talent isn't that elite? Is that is that like the, the take? Yeah, I, I think UNC, Gonzaga, Kentucky, UCLA, and Duke all all have all have pretty significantly more talent. That's fair. I don't. I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't. Especially think... in the front court. Okay. Where you know right. they don't have the dominant great better. with the offensive right. rebounding kind of just muscle big men, but that doesn't mean that they're better than like Adam Bonner. Like imagine what Adam Bonner would do for Houston this year. You know. I mean, what's Jarris Walker gonna do for Houston? Different players, but yeah. I, so so I I think there's like I think they're they're probably the safest team in the country. Then we have Zaga. Like like if Houston isn't a top 15-ish team this year, I'd be floored. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I have them sixth. <laughs> right, but I, I think there's like sixth last year, and I was floored the whole season that they weren't good. <laughs> right, but I, th- I think there are teams in the elite tier. Like, like if Arkansas was 20th this year, I wouldn't be like, wow, who would have thought? Like, if Creighton is 20th, I wouldn't be like, oh, my gosh, shock of the century, you know? I would be if, Cre- if Houston was outside the top 15. So, so how, how how I have it broken down right now is I have tier one going to six with, with Houston at the bottom of tier one, and then tier two I had seven to thirteen. Okay. So I would be very surprised if Houston was fourteenth, but not so much if they were thirteenth. I I I think that there's a big big jump for me personally between. I remember if I had Arkansas or or, or Alabama thirteenth, and then I had UConn fourteenth, and, and and for me that was that was a pretty pretty big chasm there. Fair enough. I have Gonzaga third national, or Houston, excuse me, third nationally. Uh, I, I I wouldn't fight you if they had, if if they were number one. And I will say before we wrap up on Houston, I will I, I I will never not think about the fact that this team could have Kenny Lofton Jr. too. Then then we'd be talking. If, if that we team, had Kenny Lofton starting instead of Reggie James. This team would be so sick. It would be disgusting how good this team would be with Kenny Lofton. I was planning on putting them number one with with Kenny Lawson. Um, this <laughs> this team would be like my favorite team in the history of college basketball if they had Kenny Lawson. I mean, even if they had Kyler Edwards, yeah, left early, but fair enough. Uh, all right, that's Houston. On well, SMU, I, I, oh, I just wanted to uh, pu- pu- push back on the idea that Houston and Gonzaga are in the same scenario with conference strength right now. I think the AAC has a much stronger middle. I agree, but like, I don't. But but could you see Houston going thirteen and five? No. Why? Well, there's no way I could see Gonzaga going. Th- th- like, Gonzaga right, would go fifteen and three. That's fair. Fine. We're, we're like Houston. You don't think that they could lose like at Cincinnati or at SMU or something? They couldn't lose at SMU, but they could lose to Cincinnati. Yeah. Alright, who's next? SMU. SMU was 13 and four in the league last year. They won 24 games. That was not enough to retain Tim Jankovic, who was essentially on an NCAA tournament or bust uh, contract with his contract expiring, and he came up just short of said NCAA tournament. So he is gone. In comes Rob Lanier from Georgia State. This was not a great coaching cycle to be in the market. If you're SMU, just because of the number of coaches that went to the number of vacancies in the SEC, right? 
and this is not a knock on Rob Lanier, who I think is a fine candidate, right? Like he went to, he was on the staff at Texas for a good time with Rick Barnes. Uh, he followed him to Tennessee. He's won at Georgia State in the you know shadow of Ron Hunter. But I do think in a different, you know, a different cycle, maybe there's an opportunity to go get Chris Jans, right? Maybe there's an opportunity to go get like one of these names that wound up in or Jerome Tang, right? Like some of the names that went to these Big 12 and SEC jobs. But Lanier, I think, is a fine choice. He's going to have to recruit. Um, and he's going to have to but, – but, but is that one of the premier jobs in the newly formed AAC moving forward? I think this year is going to be tough. Um, they had to hit the portal pretty hard, uh, remake their front court. They added Samuel Williamson, who's probably the most intriguing of the bunch, former five-star recruit, never panned out at Louisville, combo forward. They also added Xavier Foster. Uh, who was a top 50-ish recruit at Iowa State, uh, had, I believe, a sexual assault allegation that sidelined him. That was cleared or whatever. I, I don't know the details, but um, there, there was there. It, it, I think there was a legal, some sort of legal proceeding that he was cleared from that cleared the way for schools to recruit him. He winds up at SMU. Um, they had FAO DG, who was an all-conference guy at Troy. Ricardo Wright as a guard from... Uh, Maris, Mo Niger from Eastern Michigan, uh, and then a couple other guards, uh, Keon, or a, a couple other guys, Keon Ambrose Hilton from Alabama and Jefferson Koulibaly. I think the, the first the size up front is pretty impressive, but where this team really, really lacks is playmaking and shot making. There's, they're, they're asking a lot of Zurich Phelps, Jalen Smith, Zach Nuttall, the returners, because if Ricardo Wright is your best shot maker when he was the second best shot maker at Maris last year, you're probably in a lot of trouble. So I think SMU is like a fringe NIT team. That's probably more generous than I have. I think I have like 70-ish, 72. I like some of the swings they're taking, like a bounce back from Samuel Williamson, bounce back from Xavier Foster, these like really talented – I mean, even Keon Ambrose Hilton I think was a top – Top 100 recruit, definitely. Um, looks like they're going to play two bigs and then Williamson at the three. That's kind of w- what it's looking like. And um, I, I don't mind that stylistic choice. It's just a lot of these swings haven't had a lot of production. So we'll see if, you know, kind of going down a level in conference, what they look like, especially Foster. He's, he's really intriguing because he's, he's big. He's a pretty good athlete for his size. I ha, has some skill. Um, never, I mean, he was only at, at, at Iowa State for like a year. Um, but you mentioned the uh, shot creation. Zach Nuttall is the only, only returning starter. And then Zurich Phelps was a, I think he was like a top 200-ish recruit. I, I think people like him a little bit. Um, 20, 23% from three last year, 21% turnover rate, 14% assist rate. He was a freshman, though. Coming I'm not saying bench. he can't become a useful player. I'm saying it's not like he, it's not like he has like the statistical, uh, you know, he's not the statistical like breakout lock. I guess is my point. I think I think Phelps will be a fine starting AAC point guard. I think if your best player though is Nuttall or Williamson, it's not that's not going to make the tournament. There's really I mean, going to how, how much how much can a change of scenery really do for 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 Williamson? I mean. 
I know he's played under. I mean, Alondis Williams became the ACC Player of the Year. So. Right, but Alondis Williams was like a productive role player on good teams. Williamson was just kind of. That's true. Up, up and down on, up and down teams. I, I think this team's got to win with defense. They're gonna have to win with, with athleticism. Lanier's teams force a lot of turnovers. I think that's gonna have to be a big thing. I'm not buying like big wins though. I have them 115 nationally. Mm. Feels a little harsh. That's eighth in the conference. But I'm just yeah, I can't get there. So. Are you a big FAODG guy? Not at the high major. Really good mid major player. But he's 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 like the chunky, chunky like physical big. Doesn't really work. You need that guy. Um. Bring us so to I, I have them fifth in the American. You have them what, like eighth? Eighth, yeah. Oof. But I don't think that it's not a huge gap. Um, Memphis is next. Kind of got to crank through some of these mid-tier teams. Memphis, uh, we can spend we should spend some time on. Uh, weird year. I mean, I don't I don't know if we need to give the whole synopsis, but dead in the water, then unbeatable, then nearly beat Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament. Despite despite the fact that they couldn't take care of the basketball, that Amani Bates was in and out, that Tyler Harris had be, had to become an essential piece. Um, this thing was just weird, but it worked by the end. Uh, it's going to be a very different looking team. Landers Nolly gone, Jalen Duran gone, Tyler Harris gone, Josh Minot gone, Amani Bates gone, Lester Quinones gone, Earl Timberlake gone. The only returners of note are, are Alex Lomax and DeAndre Williams. Um, Welcome to Andrews. Oh, and Dandridge. My apologies. Michael Dandridge. These, like, glue guy, burly big men get no respect. You, you, the last time, last person you did this with was Timothy Goefe, and uh, he stunk this year, and now is at Cal Baptist. So, you know, well, go no, ahead. He, he, he's a little different archetype. He, he was, like, Fair massive. Yeah. Um, but Memphis does add some pieces, obviously, in the portal, namely Kendrick Davis, who was arguably the best player in the league last year. Uh, it comes over from SMU. He'll be a big, big help for them. I think solve a lot of the issues that they've had over the years with ball security, with lack of playmaking. I think their offense will run smoother because of him. I think him and DeAndre Williams is a really nice place to start. The problem is, is there's like a substantial lack of talent on the wings. I mean, Keonta Kennedy was the third best player at UTEP. Demarie Franklin was a nice piece at UIC, but... You know, that's a big jump. Elijah McCadden had turnover issues at Georgia Southern. Uh, for a program that has, you know, recruited at such a high level, I was surprised that they weren't better in the portal or with high school kids to fill out some of these wing spots. Daniel uh, ACOT was the perfect fit. ACOT would have helped, no question. Um, so the shot making around Davis is a concern, particularly because you're going to play theoretically two bigs a lot because you have two centers in Dandridge. Uh, and uh, Keo Akabundu Iyogu, uh, who are probably going to eat up the majority of the minutes. Keo's a, you know, unbelievable shot blocker, complete wild card. Has not played a ton of basketball in his life. Um, really has no offensive game other than dunks, but is a, a freak of an athlete, like the freak of all freaks, and will I think help them in spurts def- defensively to go with Dandridge. But I think this this team is really going to be dictated by two really old guys, Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams, and them kind of creating off of each other. And I think the question is just how good the offense winds up being with those two uh, and how elite they can be defensively if 
KO is the one uh, blocking shots on the back end. Well, so I, first of all, I, I think between, I think Ken, Kendrick Davis is like a top 15, 20 player in the sport. Yes. At, at the point guard. Uh, yes. So that's, that's a great place to start. I think DeAndre Williams is like a top 50 player. Okay. So you got two top 50 players. You got some veterans around them. Keontae Kennedy is, is, is a shooter. Lomax, maybe he'll be better as a glue guy. I know he's he, much maligned by Memphis fans. Maybe he'll be better as a glue guy and playing some Brad, Brad is there. Brad is the uh, Brad's the all-time Alex Lomax defender. It's great. Because every all I see is how much he sucks. They hate him. Blah blah blah. And then when Memphis is playing well down the stretch, it feels like he's 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 always in there. Uh, maybe I'm misremembering, but I mean this year will be the ultimate test if he's playing together with Davis in the backcourt. Um, and then between D- Dandridge gives you the physicality. He was in the rotation last year, and KAE gives you the athleticism. I'm I'm cool with guys like Franklin and McCadden and Jonathan Lawson coming off the bench. You know that, that this isn't like a great bench, but I think it's a fine bench. I think I think when you compare roster numbers thirty through thirteen with other teams in the like twenty to fifty tier. You're pretty underwhelmed by Memphis's, and it's a question of just how much that top two can carry. Well, I mean, you you really only need to do three through eight or nine. Right. Yes. Correct. Fine. So, personally, I I think the Franklin, McCadden, Lawson, and Kae thing will work out fine. Where do you have them nationally? Twenty fifth. Okay, I have them thirty third, second in the conference. You have them second in the conference. Yeah. All right. Led, led by two top 50 players, super old team. I think that there's more talent here than, than is being credited. Fair enough. All right. Next up, Brad, guess the team that came in fourth place in the American last year. Central Florida. No. Two more guesses. Uh, Tulane. No. Tulsa. No. Temple. Temple came in fourth? Temple won 10 conference games last year. Oh, man. The, the team that I have risen the most on mentally, I actually might need to do move them up more in my national rankings, is Temple. I think Temple's going to rock this year. I think they're going to be a lot of fun. Huh? They have a cool backcourt. T- Temple won 10 league games last year. They've got all these, like, young, talented guys who've contributed, um, like Damian Dunn and Jaleel White. Zach Hicks. I mean, these guys were all freshmen and sophomores last year. Nick Jordan. And the only thing that held them back last year was their offense was dreadful. They couldn't shoot. They were, you know, 339th in effective field goal percentage, 194th in offensive efficiency. We'll enter back Khalif Battle, who for the first seven games of last season, I get it was by games for the most part, although there, there this does include... 26 points against USC and 19 against Boise State. He was averaging over 21 points a game. He was shooting 48% from three. I mean, he was electric scoring the basketball, and he has the pedigree to prove this, right? I mean, he scored it, albeit inefficiently, his sophomore year at Temple. He showed some flashes at Butler his freshman year. I think 
I think he's the missing piece to really score the ball. So you've got these young breakout candidates. You've got battle. Uh, you've got two centers transfers and Kerr Jankuch from Northern Colorado. Who's like a run and jump athlete and Shabil Reynolds, a big physical body who comes in from in the league. It's South Florida or not South Florida, Central Florida, I believe. Um, they also bring in Todd Sweat uh, from West Virginia, big, another versatile, you know, three, four type athlete. There's a lot to like here, man. A lot to like. I have them 68th nationally or 67th or 73rd nationally. Excuse me. I was reading Tulane. Um, but I kind of feel like they should be a little higher. Okay. Like if this team made the NCAA tournament, like I, I, like they have the little bubble upside here. Yeah. They've, they've been a team sneaking up for me. I, I, I have them 79th, which um, I'm, I'm really thinking about having them pass like Tulane and Loyola and Missouri and not Loyola. Georgetown. You say not, not Loyola. Yeah. You're a hater. No, they have way more talent. Yeah, they do, but that's not how basketball works. Aaron McKee's never had a top 100 team. Until he does. Yeah, Drew Valentine top 30 until his first year on the job. We're just talking about how much talent this team has. They're super switchable one through four. They were so young. They, yeah. they, they, they beefed up their interior. I mean, even off the bench, uh, Shane Dizoni was a top 100 recruit. Heiser Miller played last year. Nick Jordan played a ton last year at, at the four. Uh, but, I, you know, this this is going to be a done-and-battle-led backcourt, and it seems like Zach Hicks is getting a lot of buzz at that four spot. If this team doesn't make the NIT, there's big problems, let's put it that way. I mean, Temple used to be a program that would, like, make the NCAA tournament all the time. So. Yes. There are big problems. There already are, yeah. Three years in a row outside the top 110 palm. We'll see if this year is different. I think there's real upside that it is. On a two-lane, Brad, 98th in Ken Palm last year. Now, that is a place where top 100 is a big deal. They have not been top 100 uh, since 2000. They're running it back pretty much. They are running it back. Um, the big the big reason for the jump, other than Ron Hunter's presence, was Jalen Cook. Transfers in from LSU. was a good recruit. Lane State kid, uh, didn't really get a lot of run at LSU on a team that had so much talent uh, with Cam, you know, Javante Smart, Cam Thomas, Eric Gaines. I mean, this team was just loaded and Cook never got a chance. He comes in at Tulane. It was awesome. Uh, Some people have been as an NBA prospect. I'm not sure I'm there. He's a little small, kind of thick, but he can really play make. He can really make shots. Uh, And you you pair him with Jalen Forbes in the backcourt. You have two of the best shot makers in this league uh, at the one and the two. Kevin Cross has emerged into a nice piece for them after some ups and downs his first two seasons of his college career. Um, so you've got this nice little kind of big three, and you're hoping guys can step up around. Sion James is a guy who had a good productive second year in the program a season ago. Uh, they brought in from the portal uh, Colin Holloway from Georgetown, Trey Williams, who's well traveled Minnesota, uh, as well as Oregon State. Oregon State. Um, and they have some some younger guys as well that could potentially contribute. Like like I know there's been some crazy stuff. I think like Torvik has them for yeah Torvik has them 43rd, which feels a little too bullish. But like how high is too high with Tulane right now? As I said earlier, I'm 78, which think think that they have upside. I, I mean a a team that was top 100 that's running it back. I mean they could make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Pretty unlikely. 
I don't know if they added enough talent to kind of juice that returning core, but that, but that backcourt's great. And then, uh, you know, really utilizing the, the high major down transfer. You mentioned Cook from LSU, Forbes from Alabama, Cross from Nebraska, and they add two more to presumably bolster their bench with Trey Williams and, and Holloway. Holloway is a pretty interesting piece because I think he can play some small ball five as well. He was solid on bad Georgetown teams. He didn't light the world on fire, but he gives you someone who can play both front court positions, can shoot a little bit, um, big, big body, versatile. Um, I'm kind of splitting the difference here with Tulane at 78. That's kind of like an NIT territory, probably j- just outside. I'm 67, so a little bit better, a little more comfortable in NIT. I think – at the end of the day, like Ron Hunter has the right strategy. He's a really good ball coach. Like we know what he can do in game. We know what he can do with developing players. And I think the strategy that he's employed of let's go get guys who have three years left, two, three years left from high majors, right? Especially Louisiana kids and get guys that like would be like program, like program recruits, right? Like if you get Jalen Cook, you know, he's a top 150 recruit out of high school at Tulane out of high school. Like that's like, that's gets you headlines. When you get him as a transfer, it's no big deal. Um, but those guys can be two, three-year contributors and really help. And that's what they did with, with him, with Forbes. Uh, I think that's probably what they're hoping they can do with Holloway, who I believe has two years left, maybe three with the COVID year. Uh, so that's that's a good strategy. And for, you know, we, we always talk about this with, with the coaches who are inheriting jobs like this. It's so hard because you're always a piece away because you're always losing guys and you can't never keep up, right? Like you're, you're constantly on, you know, the hamster wheel to keep it relevant, but to jump it to from, okay, we made it relevant. To, okay. We made the NCAA tournament is really hard. And I think the only way you can possibly do it is recruit guys who aren't quite good enough to go pro early, but who can give you two or three years in the program and develop with it. And I think that's what Tulane's got a chance to do uh, with this current core. So, I mean, we haven't done Cincinnati or Wichita State yet, which is they, alarming. We've got one more team to go before we get there. That's UCF, went 9-9 nine and nine in the league, 18-12 and 12 overall, 104th in Ken Palm. Um, doesn't really feel like this thing is going anywhere. Well, um, I, I'm in on this team. I know you are, but I don't think anyone else is. Well, like, they're like my like Wyoming Drake kind of out of left field tournament team. I feel very strongly that you're wrong about this, but whatever. Um, the, the the last five years, Johnny Dawkins has finished 104, 100, 117, a random 34, which was the taco year, and 111. Like, this is – for the last five years, they've been 100 to 120. And I think that's really where they should fall again this year. Um, they bring oh, in – Hold on, hold on. Uh, random year, they they – they, they built, built a great that. team That's that true. year. That's true. They built the, it. The other teams around around those teams were so low in Kempom because Taco was hurt, and then Aubrey Dawkins was hurt. And then what happened the last two years? And then B.J. Taylor was hurt too, right? Um, but oh, oh, but, but that last year when they were healthy, they played Duke to the wire. I know they did. Round two. Um, That's a good team. So with this group, right – uh, newcomers, Ethiel Horton from Pitt, big-time shooter. Uh, Brandon Suggs from East Carolina, stayed in the league, plug-and-play wing. Michael Durr bounced back from Indiana after he began his career at USF, 
huge body, seven feet tall. Uh, they also had C.J. Kelly from UMass, scoring wing, uh, and then some young guys as well who could potentially contribute. Lahat Thiun from uh, Utah is another name to watch. Um, but I think a lot of this team really relies on the two returners, the two big game returners. Darius Johnson and C.J. Walker, and just how good they can be. They need a big jump from Darius Johnson, I think, if this team is going to be anywhere close to the NCAA tournament. I really like Johnson. I, I watched him in high school. Three-level scorer, he's like the prototypical, like, big-number college guard. Like, he's going to – sometime in uh, his, his career, he, he's going to average, like, 17-5 and five and be – you know, one of all these kind of mid-major-ish studs. Um, borderline top 100 recruit. I think he's in a big bounce back as the full-time starter here. I like some of the veterans they added. They they added some shooting and experience in the wing. You mentioned Horton was known as a scorer. Um, C.J. Kelly from UMass. And then Suggs and Time Freeman can add some versatility. Taylor Hendricks is like a top 100 recruit. That's that's a nice recruit to add to their front court. CJ Walker is a super athletic, versatile floor man. And he has some big dudes to, to anchor the uh, defense down low. Most of, most of my optimism is with a, a nice Darius Johnson breakout. But I think, I think UCF is, is a good pick to be the out-of-nowhere team. Yeah, I'm not buying it at all. I have them 100 and... Very good point guard, great positional size. 108th nationally. 108th nationally. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how you can say Darius Johnson is a very good point guard. Like, that's completely unknown at this point. What? How many guys have we proclaimed breakouts for in the past two months of doing these previews? And but now no, I say Darius Johnson's going to break out. It's, oh, geez. You know, we, we no, no, no. I'm that. not saying you can't play out. You, 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 you said it like as a certainty that he's like a very good point guard. Oh, we've said like Jordan Hawkins is going to break out. Arthur Kaluma is going to break out. Jalen Worley is going to break out. Oh, Chris we're, Murray we're not, is going to break we're not, out. We're not calling Darius Johnson on the same plane as Jalen Worley and Arthur Kaluma. I never said he was. I said he's going to break out. Fine. So one thing of note is that the the Almanac, which obviously talks to all the coaches, projects Taylor Hendricks, the freshman, as a starter. Uh, I don't know if he'll start, but it sounds like he's a guy that will potentially contribute right away. At the four or the uh, five? At the four. Which would bump Walker to the three. Look at all that size and athleticism. No, no thanks. Swallowing teams up. Not for me, my friend. I think that I think this program is very dry. There's nothing exciting about it. They they have an early early season game against Florida State, which just lost their starting center for the year. Isn't that the uh, I had Naheem McLeod starting, but either way, that's the uh, that's the Darren Green Bowl. That's right. All right. Next up, Wichita State. Critical year. We said off the top of this podcast. Uh, it's kind of weird to say like, oh yeah, true hot seat year for Isaac Brown, given he won the league a year ago. Uh, and is in year three as a head coach, year two as the full-time head coach. But it does very much feel like a hot seat year after a mass exodus in the offseason. Ricky Council, Tyson Etienne, Morris Udazi, Quay Grant, uh, Clarence Jackson, Dexter Dennis, Joe Pleasant, all gone. 
the only the last man standing from this past year's group uh, is Craig Porter, uh, the veteran point guard who really showed some flashes at points. He's a big, like big body point guard, physical, uh, very good defender. His statistics defensively are off the charts. He he was he had a nearly five percent block rate as a point guard and a over three percent steal rate. That's insane. Um, the question is. Can he be something of an offensive focal point and have a breakout year? They're certainly betting on that in Wichita. The hype has been very big about Mr. Porter, uh, but he's going to need a lot of help from these transfers. They bring in a bunch of them. Colby Rogers in from Siena. Uh, Gus Okafor, who comes in from southeastern Louisiana. Uh, Jaron Pierre from Southern Miss. Xavier Bell from Drexel. Uh, James Rojas uh, from Alabama. Quincy Ballard uh, from Syracuse. Or not Syracuse, excuse me, Florida State. Um it's just Jaquan Walton, junior college, but was originally, I believe, at Georgia yeah. um, under Tom Crean. Like, this is a ton of new guys uh, to, to go around. And for for the most part, it's kind of unproven dudes, right? It's either mid-major proven or relatively unproven high major. You could maybe make the exception with Rojas that he's somewhat proven, uh, played in the rotation at Alabama. Uh, but I don't think the average fan – has any sense of like how Jaron Pierre scales up to the, uh, to the American. And I think so that's they, really they didn't get mid-major studs. They just got like these solid, like 10 point a game mid-major guys. Right. Like you, it's definitely think, the next year. Yes. You, you've watched a lot of Colby, jo- uh, sorry, Colby Rogers. Yes. You don't think he's a starting wing on a tournament caliber team? no, but I think he can. St- I think he can play good minutes in the American. He's six foot five and he sh- sh- has a strap. Like the kid can really freaking shoot. Really, really good shooter. Shot like forty three percent last year at volume. Could do it off the bounce. Can do it off the catch. Um, not a great defender, but he's got good size and length and he makes shots. That's a valuable thing. Uh, Okafor is the freak athlete. Uh, Pierre is supposed to be like a big scorer, like a very like high usage type guy. Um, but again, Ross I think is big and physical. Yeah. He was a great Juco recruit, but he was hurt twice at Alabama. Right. Odo can stretch the floor. Ballard's just like huge Florida state style monster inside. Um, you can, you can talk yourself into this, right? Like you sit here, you say, okay, Craig Porter is going to be your like fringe all league point guard. You're going to plug in a shooter in Rogers, an athletic forward in Okafor, a monster post guy in Rojas. You might either play in a shooter, or you're, you're going to have Walton, that long athletic three-man. Pierre is your scorer off the bench. You know, Poto to come off the bench up front. Right? Like, you, you could talk yourself into, okay, this all works, and it's a tournament-type team. No. No, no, no. you would have – it's a lot of talking into, right, if you're a Wichita State fan. But I, I could look at this, and, like, if I give myself, like, the positive for each, each question mark, then, yeah, that's a tournament team. The problem is that's not realistic. I have him 100th national. Yeah, I didn't put him in my top 100. I put him eighth in the American. Yeah. Even even if Craig Porter's sixth. like awesome, like the rest the rest of this team. I mean, these are these are like seventh best players. The these aren't you know this is like a little more talented, but the s- similar scenario as to what South Florida did with their transfers. 
was that last year where we were making fun of him and they added all like you didn't make fun of him you you were you were all in you were you were a you you were ready to watch the train you 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 were big on the balls i i wanted to see how how the pieces would fit together i I didn't rank them them on your top 20 teams you can't wait to watch and i didn't even watch them once which has really got me rethinking how i'm gonna make my list for next year um given i didn't even watch them and i was so I, I don't even know how many box scores I looked at. And I, I, I wanted to see how they navigated their 11th, their 11 eighth best players. Um, <laughs> All right. It, I'll, I will say this. If Wichita State comes in eighth in the AAC, like you're projecting, Brad, Isaac Brown will not be the head coach there next year. Who, who, who is the second best player on this team? Uh, I mean, that's the, that's the beautiful thing about it. I mean, I don't think they're gonna be good. I'm a hundredth, but yeah. But the whole idea is like, I think the whole idea is like they have six guys who could be like the second best player. But those six guys are like seventh best players. I don't know if they're seventh, but they're closer to seventh than second probably on paper. All right, on to Cincinnati, who's the last team in this. What league was Cincinnati's really... record last year? What on earth happened to them? They they just fell off the the, the, the wheels came off the tracks. They started ten and three. Uh, they started 14 and 5, 17 and 17 and 9. They were 17 and 9 on February 17th, 7 and 6 in the league, and then they lost their last five games, uh, including a loss at home to South Florida, who was 252 in Ken Palm. The wheels fell off down the stretch. Uh, it was not pretty, but I think a lot of people are very excited about the West Miller era, and I think for good reason. The recruiting is at a high level right now. They just got Jizzle James. Edgar and James' son, the top 50-ish scorer for 2023. They got Isaiah Collier uh, in the mix. They'll oh, see if they USC. can finish it off. Huh? Collier's going to USC. He's committed? No, but that's that's where all the crystal ball action is. There's zero crystal balls. Well, then either rivals are on three. I use crystal ball to, to yes. generically mean recruiting predictions. Crystal ball is like a Kleenex, you know? Yes. Fair enough. But they're in the mix. See if they get it done. Um, the question is, how much should we be buying this team this year before these you know, recruits really start to contribute? Because I do think there's reason for optimism. Um, they bring in Landers Nolly, who should help them a lot in the scoring department. That was an issue they really struggled the season ago. They bring in Rob Finnessy to complement Adams Woods in the backcourt, as well as David DeJulius, who's also there. Uh, and then they got a veteran center in Kalu Izikpe, from Old Dominion, who will be that kind of physical presence. Uh, I think there's a lot of hope that Victor Lockin, the uh, second-year player who's productive early and then struggled late, can break out and maybe take that center spot by the reins. I know there's also excitement uh, in terms of kind of younger guys who come off the bench about Daniel Skillings, um, three-star, three- or four-star kid. Uh, They're coming in, but do you think this is enough to be in the tournament mix? I think they're right there. I have 50th. They have 52nd. Yeah. But so they're bringing back four starters. They're adding Landers Nolly, which I think gives them a nice kind of wing with size who can hit shots. I think that's something that they could use. You know, moving a guy like John Newman over to like a six-man type of role, or like an energy athlete guy. Added a, another guard in there with Tennessee. We were hoping give you good minutes off the bench. De Julius can score. Adams Woods should be a, a solid point guard. I know he's had his ups and downs. 
I think you have a guy like that coming back who started all those games last year. I think you're feeling okay. I doubt Davenport had a good year last year as a combo forward. They got like th- three different guys that they can throw out there at the five. You mentioned Lockin, and then Ezek B is that that is that physical presence, and Oguama's back. I saw Jared Hensley play over the summer. I I, I like his game. I'm not sure how much he's going to play. He's another kind of kind of athletic, but like a physical inside-out combo forward. So they they have a lot of pieces. I mean, we were talking benches earlier. With Newman, Skillings, Finnessy, and Ezekpi, I mean, that's that's a pretty strong bench rotation right there. Yes. I think, I think I'm buying them, but I do think, like, when you really compare this roster to Tulane and Temple, I'm not, not, I'm not sure Cincinnati doesn't have the worst roster of the three. I don't think it's a huge gap, and I think that the, the experience and the coaching kind of gets you over the finish line. But like, probably better than two lanes, definitely. Depth-wise, yes. Top end, no. I, I think there's a case here that Jalen Forbes is better than any Cincinnati player. Other than Leonard Nolly, probably. Maybe Leonard Nolly is better than Forbes. I think Forbes could be better than Nolly, though. I'm not a big Nolly guy, though. I've always, I, I'm always yeah, frustrated. I, I'm not a huge Nolly guy. I thought he was wildly overrated at Tech. Um, yeah. But in terms of how, how this lineup fits together, I think it, I think it works well. You have kind of a... I, think it, I also just think at the end of the day, it fits Wes really well. And I'm buying Wes, so... You have versatility, you have shot making, you have veteran guard play, you have a bunch of different bigs that that, that can give you different looks. Defense should be solid. I'm not sure it's going to be a great defense, but I think it should be a, a solid defense. They, they have guys all, all, all off the bench that should give them something. I, I guess the one question would be, you know, can David DeJulius or Landers Nolly be your best player but, and, and make the tournament? But I'm 50th, right there. 50th, third in the league. What do you have? 52nd, third in the league? I have a fourth in the league. Fourth place to see a UCF, your, your darlings. Uh, all right, uh, got three more to go. These are the things we're gonna have to move somewhat quickly on if you guys don't want to have a marathon of the podcast to listen to. East Carolina, six conference wins last year, which is more than I would have thought based on kind of everything. Uh, this is a gut job. They lose pretty much everybody of value after Joe Dooley depart- departs as head coach, bring in um, Michael Schwartz. Long-time Rick Barnes assistant. He was a defensive guy. Um, so I think any hope this year is probably predicated upon figuring it out defensively and, like, really grinding out games. Because I look at this roster, and other than Winston Tabs, I don't know how anyone's scoring. And Winston Tabs still hasn't even been cleared yet. I mean, these these transfers are pretty unremarkable, too. I kind of like, I, I dig the Debunji ad. It's cool. I mean, the, that's like a nice swing. Right, that's a smart recruit. swing. Yeah, that's a smart swing. That's basically what I just told Tulane to do. So, except that, I, I guess we'll have to see, right? Because when when Tulane got Jalen Forbes and Jalen Cook and Kevin Cross, we didn't expect them to be correct as, as productive as, as they were. 
Um, I know Ezra Ozar is kind of a late stock riser. He's like an athletic four man. Yeah, they need they need a good year. This this is gonna be bad. Like I think they're gonna be very bad. Yeah, I think yeah. Any actors, they're really small. They don't really have any proven guys other than Winston Tabs, and Winston Tabs, quite frankly, uh, has played 27 games in three years. Like, we'll see how it works. Uh, I don't. I think this is a hard job. We'll see if Schwartz is up to the task. It's not. I don't know that anyone's gonna turn this thing. But uh, I don't like, know that. How can these jobs be like this impossible? You're just taking transfers, man. Finding like. You have nil. You don't need nil transfers. You need you're getting down transfers. Which state? state has nil for Colby Rogers. I I mean you should be getting these the these freshmen that that are falling into the mid-majors and then they're breaking You have to be out. a really good, you have to be a great evaluation program at the end of the day. You have to be elite evaluators. If all these mid-major teams can do it, why can't East Carolina do it? Who knows? Um, it's going to be ugly this year, though. I have them 197th nationally. Or no, 203rd, excuse me. I, I put them 10th in the American. I have them last. All right, quickly on to Tulsa. Tulsa added a Chicago State up transfer, which is probably the most interesting thing about Tulsa. Um, Eric Conkle in as head coach, replacing Frank Haith, who I think overall had a solid tenure. Uh, only got into the tournament once. They were always kind of in the mix in the league until last year when they bottom fell and they went four and 14. Time for a change. I get that without question. Um, Eric Conkle won every year at La Tech, just never got over the hump in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but they were they won 20 games or more in all but one year of his tenure. Um, but this is this is a rebuild. They have Sam Griffin back, who scores it, but he's relatively inconsistent, uh, in, inefficient as well. Uh, Brandon Betson, we mentioned the Chicago State up transfer. See how that goes. He can score. Like he's kind of that undersized scoring point guard. Uh, how that moves up a level, I don't really know. Um, a lot of unproven dudes, especially up front. This is going to be a big, big challenge. I think in year one, I, I'd be surprised if this thing is all at all relevant. I have them last. I mean, I guess they could finish as high as ninth. I just th- I gave a conkle bump, slight conkle bump. I mean, I have them ninth. I mean, talk talk about uninspiring. I mean, Keyshawn Emery was a good one. I have 147. He's been in the rotation. I have 147th nationally. That feels wildly too high. You 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 have them 147th. You said. Mm-hmm. That feels like 40 spots too high, but I might just, I, mean, I think I'm sticking with it. I mean, Tulsa was like the South Carolina of the ACC, of the AAC, where they just wouldn't be that good, but they'd end up like with 12, yes. 13 conference wins. Just a lot of empty calories. Yes. We'll see if it turns. I don't think this year's the year for them, Phil. Uh, wrap it up. South Florida. Brian Gregory got an extension ahead of last year and rewarded it by going 8 and 23, losing to Georgia Southern, South Carolina State, uh, finishing 349th in offensive efficiency, shot 25% of the team for two. The good news is they've replaced Caleb Murphy, 20% shooter, and Jameer Chaplin, 17% shooter, with some big upgrades. They added uh, Sultan Miguel. 
from Kansas State. And our friend Selton Miguel from, from K-State, uh, he'll, he'll plug in on the wing here. Mr. Miguel shot a blistering mark from beyond the arc. He shot one sports reference low. Well, I should tell you, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm stalling because sports reference has been low. I just know he's not a good shooter. Well, look, um, Sean Bryant couldn't shoot either. Correct. So, yes. They brought in some some up some 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 high major proven guys Miguel Keyshawn Bryant and Tyler Harris, but Harris isn't a point guard, and both Miguel and Keyshawn Bryant can't shoot. So how that fixes a def- uh, an offense that was god awful? Anyone's guess, really. I mean, Miguel I, is a career twenty one percent shooter. Great. Thank you. My my thing was not loading. Um, do you have a Keyshawn? I'm going to Keyshawn Bryant here. Keyshawn Bryant from three, four years in South Carolina, 22% career. So. But we're so going to have a lot of toughness. They upgraded from 20 and 17% to 22%, but I don't know if that's enough. So uh, They're going to be long on the wings. They were top 100 defense last year. Like yeah. They could be like a top 75 defense this year. They just need to be like they need to be not 350th in offense. And t- Tyler Harris will will have free reign, presumably, to go nuts. And the, they they have some of these transfers coming back in year two. Maybe they can find a spark or something. But I have them ninth. I, I, I have them tenth. I have them 200th nationally. Uh, the AD has been relatively cheerleading for both him and embattled football coach Jeff Scott. We'll see. I guess we'll get a sense in January when Jeff, or in December when Jeff Scott either survives or doesn't, whether that cheerleading is actually true. Um, but that's a potential job, I think, to watch. We do our big picture look at the league as a whole. We have two locked tournament teams, a bubble team in Cincinnati, uh, and then some interesting teams on the next tier. Like, or You have an NCAA tournament or bubble in UCF. I do not. Uh, I have them right outside. Yeah. And then we've got NITS teams like Tulane and uh, Tulane and uh, Temple. Uh, hot seat-wise, probably just Gregory and Isaac Brown. Johnny Aaron Dawkins McKee. is a retirement watch. And then Aaron, Aaron McKee is, uh, I guess, hot seat as well, but I think they'll be better. So. But Dawkins is a potential retirement per sources. Interesting. Well, he'll have to go out on top to make me look right. It's just general industry speculation. So I don't want to say that Mr. Dawkins is like for for a for a a board bet. Do UCF better than seventy fifth? Yeah, that's fine. Put it down. <clears throat> In Ken Palm. Yes. All right, that's the American. Um, that means you're as we head into the second hour of the program, we bring you the Atlantic 10. 15 teams to get to here. That sounds odd to you. That's because there's a new team in town. Loyola Chicago coming up from Missouri Valley. I'm very excited about this, Brad, because it means I get A-10 basketball in my backyard, literally my backyard. I live four blocks from campus. Uh, I love the Valley. I think the Valley is a lot of fun. I still get the Valley because UIC is new in the Valley. But 
I got to say, getting like Dayton on a Friday night is more exciting than getting Northern Iowa on a Sunday. Sounds right. Um, because it's a, a, a first league that I've seen, uh, that not that I've seen, I guess, but the first league that we've done that has a new team this year. Do you want to do Loyola first, last? Like, what are we thinking here? Sure, let's just let's do, Loyola. do it first while yeah. we still have some energy here. Yes. Uh, so Loyola, year 200, Drew Valentine, youngest head coach in Division One. Uh, they do lose a lot. Like this is not, it's not a rebuild, but it's definitely a reload um, because they had six scholarship seniors, headlined by Lucas Williamson, but also guys like Ahir Uguak and Tate Hall, uh, Ryan Schwieger, Chris Knight. I mean, these were starting caliber dudes that were really important to this program. Um, in Lucas's case, arguably the most po- important player in the history of the program. Um, goes to Final Four, Sweet 16, stays for the transition with Drew, helps win 25 or 25 games and go to the NCAA tournament. Um, so a lot of new faces, but the portal guys they bring in, I think, are solid and fit Loyola pretty well. They have some stability in the backcourt, which is critical. Um, with Brayden Norris and Marquise Kennedy, Norris, like the kind of epitome of like the he's kind of like a mid major Colin Gillespie, right? Like big, stocky kid, like, like not tall, but like strong built. Uh, can, you can post him a little bit. He really makes shots. He's clutch as heck. He's obviously not going to create off the bounce a ton just because he's not super athletic, but he's a really solid player. And then Marquise Kennedy, who had struggled his first couple of years at Loyola, last year was awesome for them defensively. He became, I, I don't know if Jose Alvarado is a fair comparison, but he was a monster. And their on-off numbers were crazy, the, the gap between Kennedy on and Kennedy off. Um, Marquise was really, really critical to what they did on both ends, uh, but you saw it in the conference tournament. I mean, they had a run. I think the Bradley game, they won by 20. He played 20 minutes, and they were plus 20 in those 20 minutes. I mean, that's the the impact that you're getting with Kennedy. Um, The other thing you have to like, or or at least feel good about, is they've got stability at the center spot. They brought in a transfer in Bryce Golden, fifth-year kid, I don't think either of us expect Bryce Golden to like set the world on fire, but in a market that was very difficult for bigs to get a proven high major starter is a big win for the Valentine and the Ramblers. Yeah. With, with Golden, he can get pushed around by the bigger centers and he's not fleet of foot and he's not super skilled. He, he can shoot a little, but he has some, some touch around the rim. I uh, will but, say, I will, I will say he, he is noticeably leaner. Ooh. Runs the floor. He's really running the floor well. Like completely different. Like than it was a Butler. Like he can. Like he's not flying, but he's running the floor really, really well. Like they're gonna be able to use him in like their secondary break stuff that they really like. That was a huge part of their offense last year. He's gonna be able to run the floor. And in the A10, he should be even more well suited, right? Like he's not gonna be. Bullied by these monster centers, maybe like Daron Holmes or Francis Josh Coro, but yeah, I think he'll he'll be a fine matchup there, and I think that their their guards should translate pretty well with Norris and Kennedy and Sheldon Edwards. Um, the four spots interesting. Where do you have them going at the four? So right now I have them going with Saint Saint Thomas, sophomore, six foot seven, six foot eight, super skilled. Um, has worked on his body, gotten a lot like, leaner. That was something he needed to do. He was a little chunky last year. 
Um, but they've got a couple options. They could go, they could bring Sheldon Edwards into like a six-man role, play Saint at the three, and Phil Alston, who's probably the most talented player in the program, at the four. Um, Phil's super athletic, unbelievable story behind the kid, which I'll detail at some point later. Um, but he's like a six-six, like built like a linebacker, run and jump forward. Like he he can stretch it a little bit, but his impact's gonna be as a rebounder, as an energy guy, as a guy who gets you know loose balls and finishes. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. And I think so. I think for them they have a few options there. Right? They can play Edwards at the three. They can play Ben Schweiger at the, or Schweiger, excuse me, Ryan Schweiger, Ben Schweiger. They're not related. It's an unbelievable coincidence. Uh, ben Schweiger at the three. They're excited about him. He's he really popped in practice. He had redshirted last year as a young kid. I think he was 17. Uh, but he's like six 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 seven, long arm. He can shoot it, like really shoot it. So I think if you're looking at like a top eight. It's Norris, Kennedy, Edward, Schweiger, Saint, Phil Alston, Bryce Golden, and then one of Jacob Hudson and Tom Welch. And then I think your ninth guy is one of uh, Jaden Dawson and Jalen Quinn, both of whom are really well-regarded freshmen. Jalen Quinn was the third best player on the Illinois Wolves, which won Under Armour a couple years uh, last year with Jaden Shute uh, and Braden Huff. Uh, and Jaden Dawson, more of like a scorer. Quinn's more of like a... Quinn reminds me of C.J. Walker from Ohio State, stylistically. And then Dawson's more of like a true scoring guard. He's another Nebraska kid. He really scored. He played for Nebraska Supreme with uh, Isaac Trout. Interesting. You have St. Thomas starting. Last year played six minutes a game. Had me thinking of something I wanted to bring up at the top of the show. Oh, dear. And I was reading these NBA breakout player lists. And I almost threw my phone out the window, their breakout players are so boring. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley. These are like, they're the best rookies in the NBA last year. They were the top picks in the draft. Take a swing. Go with St. Thomas to be a breakout player. So Go from so 1.8 points a game to the starting four man. The, the one thing with St., I will say this, like, yes, like it's, it's a swing, but Saint would have played on every other Missouri Valley team last year. Loyola was just so old, right? Like, I said, like, they had six seniors, Norris and Kennedy. Like, where, like there's no, there was no room to get them on the floor. Well, but they tried. Our, like, they, our breakout players. For, you know, agreed. Talk, no, you're 100% right. You're 100 right. We, we are witnessing, like, major transformations on our hands. I mean, Cade Cunningham going from the best player on the team to the best player on the team as a breakout. Makes me sick. Anyway. All right. Where do you have Loyola nationally? Or I, I guess I've talked more than you have. But do you have anything you want to hand on Loyola? Well, I, I defer to you because you yes. are the I am the expert. Chicago win. I am the expert. I'm um, 53rd national. Or no, not 53rd. I have the 58th national. Excuse me. I have them fifth in the Atlantic 10, which comes out to 77 nationally. Cool. That's a little low for me. I'm fourth in the A10. Fifth is fine. 77 feels low, but that's whatever. Uh, we don't see the talent level the same way. But and, and that's not going to change tonight. Yes. I also don't think it's as much talent as like, as much talent as like, where are they going to wind up because of the way that they play stylistically and like how Ken Palm's going to like them. You know, there's a, there's going to be a rambler bump because they're going to like blow some teams out. There, 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 there's, there's, 
Let, let's put it this way. Drew Valentine and Todd Golden have a very good relationship. So they might get around gaming the, gaming the system. All right, next up, uh, we'll go to the traditional standings of the A-10 uh, to get through some of these teams, which means we start with Brad. We start with Davidson, who won the league last year, built entirely around their elite shooting. Uh, they shot 38.5% from three, and they shot a ton of them. Uh, that's because everyone could shoot. Foster Lawyer was great for them. Hyunjung Lee, Michael Jones, Luka Brajkovich was 40%. Like everybody can make shots. Uh, now, Mike Jones is off to Stanford. Lee is off to the pros. Uh, Brajkovic is also in the pros. So it's a, a bit of a different looking team. A lot of new role players who have to step up. But probably not wise to count them out. I, I don't feel comfortable with where I have them. But there is a big coaching transition here that I almost forgot about because my chart still says McKillop. And that's because it's Matt McKillop, not Bob, after Bob retired. I do wonder a little bit if, if maybe there's a bit of a drop off there. Uh, in terms of just how elite, in terms of how everything runs. But they do bring in two transfers who I think could help them soften the blow. Connor Koshera uh, from William & Mary and David Skogman from Buffalo, who's like a steady uh, kind of two-way for force to five. Well, I am certainly counting Davidson out. What's counting them out? What is counting them out? I, I, I don't have them in my top 100. I am 105th, so okay, we're on the same page. I mean, they lost three of their top four. Warrior as as a best player, I mean, he he had a great year, but we know he's not like a super high cal caliber player, right? He their kind of funky system bumped them up a little bit. Now they have a lot of new guys coming into the system, so that should be. You know, a learning curve starting. Two newcomers, at least. Talent levels is not not super high here. I mean, it does help them. It is not easy to get transfers in there because of credits, and also they can't have grad students. They don't have any grad programs. So getting two guys in Koshera and Skogman who can plug in is a good deal for Davidson. Helps them not drop off much, or not drop off as much from where they were a season ago. But I don't have much more on the Wildcats, so if you're good, Brad, we can go on to David, uh, excuse me, Dayton, who went 14-4 in the league last year. Yeah, I, I just had Davidson at number nine in the A-10. I have them, I believe, eighth. Yeah, I'm eighth. And like the fact that people aren't really concerned about the coaching transition, it seems, Seems like people is oh this you know this will run just like it did with Bob. This really underscores just how unusual the whole Kyle Neptune hate is. Like literally everyone from Isaac Brown to the new McKillop to Shy, everyone from all walks of conference life get, get, gets the benefit of the doubt with the replacing the assistant. Like in past years was like David Cox and you know. Uh, Noodles, Neil, and all these guys, but Villanova's the one where they're like, yeah, Bayer can't keep this going. Anyway. Anyway. All right, on to Dayton. Uh, quick synopsis. Disaster for the first two weeks, and then pretty darn good with the exception of a loss to LaSalle in late February. I mean, they they, they, they were the first team out in last year's NCAA tournament. 
Whether you believe that or not, that's what the committee says. Committee like they were out for lunch. They yeah. said we need two A10 teams, no matter what. Hell or yeah. high water, we'll have two A10 teams. Yeah. Uh, but I think what's really exciting with this group is that everybody's back. This team was so young. In a year that everyone was old, everyone was you know junior, seniors, transfers. This team had one guy or two guys in this rotation uh, who were in their third year of college basketball or higher. That would be Elijah Weaver and Tumani Kamara. And Weaver really kind of fell out down the stretch. Uh, Kamara is a really nice player at the four. I think we expect him to maybe be the best player. Uh, but he was quickly usurped by Deron Holmes, uh, the former elite recruit, lived up to the hype at the five spot and more. He's a little herky-jerky, um, but really blossomed as the season went on and became a really dominant force. And I think what really unlocked them was when the guards started playing better. Obviously, Malachi Smith at point guard was a big deal, but also Kobe Elvis, who struggled early. He can really, really score it. And I think it's probably being overlooked in this kind of greater Dayton landscape. He, he was really impressive down the stretch for them, a consistent guy who could score the ball at the two spot. Uh, and then guys like Blakeney and Brea, who are both, you know, good shooters, good defenders, kind of plug and play guys on the wing. You play you know, two, three. They still have Amzil at the four who can throw and you can throw in the mix. I mean, there's an embarrassment of riches here. And then if that's not enough, they have the, the lottery ticket in uh, Mike Sharavnats. That's sorry, I mispronounced your name. Everyone calls him Mongolian Mike. He's six foot seven. He was at Hoop Summit. Uh, play point guard. Uh, I don't know how much he actually impacts this team, but I think overall, uh, you can't you can't hurt that the upside. And I think I mean, he's in a top really seventy five recruit. Right, but where's he gonna play? He's coming off the bench. Is my point. Yeah, I mean, shouldn't shouldn't he be the what eighth man at least? I'm eighth. Yes. Maybe more, but he's he's a big versatile wing. He, he's like six seven or six eight and handles the ball. You know, he's like like a poor man's Gordon Hayward type. So yeah, I, how I high have, is too high with Dayton? I have them just outside the top twenty five. I have them winning the league. Tough crowd. So so you're not buying the jump from running it back after they were a top fifty team last year? Seven twenty seventh or twenty eighth. I mean, that's I'm 17th. They beat the national champions last year. And they lost a little sale. I know. But they were playing freshmen. What happens when these guys are sophomores? They're just going to be the national champions. We just pick and choose which, which teams are allowed to make jumps, which teams aren't. <laughs> that's how this works. No, I, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for Dayton fans, but I think if you finish... 27 to 28. I think that's probably a pretty good year. I think it's okay, but I think, I think the hype has gotten so big that they're kind of anti- feeling. Malachi Smith? Huh? I I thought you didn't like Dayton Malachi Smith. No, I like Dayton Malachi Smith. Elvis is good though. That even yes. from his time at DePaul, he could play the one oh, yeah. two. He could score. Good good shooter. I don't think like a I don't, NBA player. I don't think fine. this is I don't think it's fair to do the OB Crutcher comp with uh with that duo of Smith and Holmes, but it's happened. And it's gonna continue, especially if they get some early wins. Yeah, but wasn't Obi's perimeter game much more advanced? Yes, and Duran's a better center. So it's just recent two best players. 
on a good Dayton team as our comparison? Athletic forward and dynamic four-year point guard. You know. They're not the same player. I'm not saying they are. I think they'll, they'll be good. That That's a good top two. Elvis and Kamara as a secondary creator and then another athletic big. That's nice. I mean, they have, they have a very good bench. We were talking benches earlier. You know, Omsil started some games, and then he's been very productive. He, he can play inside and now. Omsil probably would have won high major if he went in the portal. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a skilled big. And then you got Monk. Mongolian Mike is like a do-it-all type of wing. Kobe Bray played a lot last year. They have some guys deeper on the bench that were pretty good recruits, some former high high major level talent. So and all time bad get Richard Amatuel. Yeah, we said that at the time. That was that was a wasted spot. But they have they have a good top five. They're running it back. Bench looks solid. They should win the league, I think, pretty pretty easily. All right, that's Dayton. Uh, on to VCU. VCU, 63rd nationally a season ago, uh, off to the NIT. I think all things considered, like especially where they started, like if you remember in November last year, like VCU could not put the ball in the basket. Like it was it was ugly. Um, they got Ace Baldwin back, and it became slightly less ugly. But they were still outside the top 200 in offense. They still turned it over among the 20 most nationally in terms of rate. Uh, and they lose a really important part of their offense in Vince Williams. Who was a really solid, really blossomed as a senior, big, you know, NBA big player now. wing, NBA player, uh, great defensively, but also I think became a nice piece for them offensively. 60% from two, almost 40% from three. I do think there's a reason, there's reason for optimism that this offense will be better this year um, than it was a season ago. I think reasonable optimism, it should be measurably better because you get Ace Baldwin healthy for a full season. Remember, he was coming off on Achilles. The fact that he was as productive as he was, I think, is a big deal. They also are excited about Dayton Nunn as a potential breakout guy. Get Jameer Watkins back. Remember, this team was snake-bitten with injuries, with with Baldwin's injury, um, McAllister's injury, Jameer Watkins. I mean, they were guys were falling left and right like it was a you know a war. Uh, but Watkins back will help their offense. Nunn back will help their offense. Baldwin back will help their offense. Uh, and then they hit the portal. Uh, two Michigan transfers and Brandon Johns and Zeb Jackson. I wonder if they're rooming together. Uh, as well as David Shriver, shooter from Harvard. Doesn't really kind of fit the VCU defensive mold, but they could use the shooting. Um, I also like freshman Alfonso Billups. I think he could break into the rotation, maybe even start uh, for this group. So uh, I don't know that I love Johns as a center. Uh, we've I've been critical of Brandon Johns in the past, but I think the backcourt has a lot of intriguing pieces, particularly the Nunn-Baldwin duo. Yeah, Nunn is the guy that people are raving about. People think... You know, I, I've I've seen him floated around as like a fringe NBA prospect, and then Baldwin, super steady, one of the better point guards in the country. That's that's a really nice backcourt. Watkins, if he's 100%, he was someone who I really liked uh, when he was healthy. I think he was playing like the, playing as like a super size on that VCU team that got COVIDed out right from 2021. Um, He's like a nice, versatile piece. Phillips, I've seen him get some buzz. Lefty combo forward. Top 100 recruit. Um, they have, they're have, a bench. Doesn't look super strong on paper, but it's filled with a bunch of either guys who are coming back from last year who played small roles or a couple of swings of the, di- uh, uh, swings of the bat with uh, 
Zeb Jackson, former top 75 recruit, guard with good size. You mentioned Brandon Johns. I mean, he might be the the X factor here. He's shown flashes during a Michigan tournament run uh, when Isaiah Livers was out. He has shot the ball extremely well in his career before. He hasn't done it frequently enough. Um, he's not super big, but for this athletic, defensive-minded team, I think he could be a good center. And his one bugaboo is he's not a great finisher inside. Yeah, I remember so many Michigan games just watching him just break these low shots. Yeah, um, my, my my thing with Johns is, you know, similar to Bryce Golden, I don't know that we can say I, I don't know if beggars can be choosers with the front court, right? Like, if he he's was a gettable, fine starting center for for a VCU. Right now, I I like you said stylistically, I don't know that he fits VCU super well. And, you know, he's had his ups and downs. But at the end of the day, like, beggars can't be choosers. So I, I have to limit my criticism of Johns. But I think he can hold them back defensively um, because he's not, like, that rim protector. Um, and, you know, I think VCU has been better. Or they, they've really been themselves when they've had that, like, hulking interior presence. And I, I certainly don't think of Johns as that type of guy. But I do think they'll be elite defensively once again. Baldwin's elite defense. Like, maybe one of the best – maybe, like, one of the five best defenders in college basketball. That's a pretty good place to start. Um, I think VCU has a chance to be on a tournament. I, I have them in IT. I have them fourth in the conference. I have them 53rd nationally. Third in the conference. I have them 67th. Fair enough. Which it might be a little low. You're I'm just generally a little lower on these A-10 teams than I am. I'm, I might knock VCU up. Yeah. All right. Next up is St. Bonaventure. The last year's synopsis seems a little pointless because everybody's going. Uh, 99.9% of their minutes, or point scoring, excuse me, is gone from a season ago. Jaron Holmes, Kyle Lofton, Dom Welch, Jalen Attaway, Ashunashuni. This is possible. Look where all those guys went, all right? Ashunashuni is going to be the starting center for Iowa State. Jaron Holmes is going to start at Iowa State. Jaron Holmes is going to be the starting three-man for Iowa State. Kyle Lofton is the starting point guard for Florida. And uh, Dom Welsh could start. But will probably definitely play for Alabama. And, and Jalen Attaway, I think, is at a camp, right? Yeah, he's on Exhibit Ten with San Antonio. I, I, you know, so so we knew it would be like a kind of a rebuild, but I think there was hope that like a couple guys would come back, and there was hope that like some of these guys who transferred down, like Quadri Adams and Kareem Koulibaly, would stay and be you know starters. Instead, they depart and go low. So like Quadri Adams at Sac State, Kareem Koulibaly's at UMass Lowell. They're both more talented than that. Um, but, you know, Mark Schmidt didn't fulfill the promise of, okay, we're going to actually play the bench this year. He didn't. So I kind of I kind of get it. This team is all new. Daryl Banks transferring from St. Peter's. Moses Flowers transferring from Hartford. Hartford, excuse me. Kyrell Luke transferring from Holy Cross. Anquan Hill transferring from Fairleigh Dickinson. Chad Venning transferring from Morgan State. Max Madison transferring from Pitt. He scored four total points in two years. I know there's a lot of excitement about freshman Yan Farrell. And I do actually like another freshman, Brett Rumpel, who redshirted last year. He's a big, like, he, he's got a great handle, like, big point guard, uh, played for the City Rocks. So, big rebuild. I think there's probably a floor because of Mark Schmidt. And because these players are all individually probably, like, close to 10 players, or I think they're probably all individually takes. But 
it would take a lot of time to mesh this thing together. I mean, Banks is pretty good. He 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 always impressed me for. He for he was always team. he was always the one guy on the roster other than Nadefo that you looked at. That's the guy who could move up because he can actually great play. game against Providence. Um, yeah. Just the extent of my knowledge. <laughs> of you didn't and watch then, the tournament? Oh, well, of course I did. Except except for the Purdue game because that was at the same time as Providence yeah. Kansas. Yeah. Uh, but I I watched the Kentucky game and I watched a lot of the Murray State game. He was really good against Kentucky. Um. And then Tyrell Luke, he he was someone. He went to Holy Cross, but he was a much better recruit than that. He went there to to play. Is he the new Joel Soriano? Yeah. I I think he could have gone like maybe even a ten out of high school. Maybe I'm making that up. He was like a pretty accomplished Nepsack player. Yes. Um, He's just small. He's really small. Yeah. Lefty guard, right? Um. But I think he should be fine. They need Ian Farrell to be really good. Uh, this this seems like Wichita State without the centerpiece. Yes. Like right, Wichita State had Craig Porter, but by all accounts is going to be like really good this year. I also think Wichita State's transfers are one step above. Do you like Kobe Rogers more than than Banks? Yes, unequivocally. Then yes, yeah. And and I think I have Bonnie's 149th nationally, tenth in the A10. I have them 10th in the A10 as well, and outside my top 100. Sounds good to me. All right, that brings us to our next team, which is St. Louis. 12-6 and six a season ago in the A10, which I think, given they lost Javante Perkins less than a month before the season, is a huge win. But I, I think Travis Ford deserves credit. I think he's been maligned in the past as a coach, like his coaching ability. He's done a nice job at SLU. Um, <clears throat> Yuri Collins really developed last year, became a really great piece for, piece for them. And now this Collins, Gibson, Jimerson, Javante Perkins backcourt is loaded by high major standards, right? Like if these guys were all in the portal, they would have recruited at like an elite level. Collins was in the portal. He was recruited at an elite level. Um, lots of like with this backcourt. And I think a real case to be made that this is the best team in the Atlantic 10. Um, you also add Javon Pickett, who was a starter at Missouri. Okoro, who's back at the five. They added the good depth with the bench. They have Fred Thatch back. They bring in Jake Forrester, who was at Indiana and Temple. He can be a good, you know, rotation piece up front. He's a big-time athlete. Big-time athlete. This top seven or eight is really, really solid uh, with some top-end talent. I mean, this is another team in the A-10 that I think could be a top-25 caliber club. I'm just outside that, but they're that good. I I have them as a bubble team. I don't see their talent level as quite that high, but I mean, they I mean, have, like, Perkins was like preseason player of the year in the league last year. Yeah. And, and if Perkins is back, he should be a top 100 player in the sport. Collins is two. But I think when you, you compare this roster to the uh, other high major teams in that arena, their talent level was well, a little short, but I mean, if they, I, I have them 41st nationally, which I think St. Louis fans probably sign up for. Um, yeah. They, they got a lot of experience with these guys coming back. I mean, even guys like Thatch and Hargrove, who either one or both will come off the bench now. And those guys got a ton of run this year as, like, these great glue guys. Okoro, if he's healthy, nice. Um, he was a great recruit at Oregon. Great great fit next to Perkins in the front court. He has some shooting, good, good, good point guard play. You know, this is just a good, solid tournament team. 
Yeah, I have him 31st, so a little bit higher. Um, I think Collins being able to go back to being a pure facilitator, not having to really look for his own shot, but still being a threat. I think two years ago, he was super high assist, um, but you didn't really have to worry about him. Now you do. And I think that's really, really valuable for this group offensively. You just love point guards who don't have to score or, or, or that don't score. I don't know about that. You're always like, why can't this team just have a pure point guard that's just going to say? Well, the chess, you got to have a pure point guard. I will say the knock on Travis. The knock on Travis Ford over the years has never been talent acquisition. It's been kind of meshing it all together and like get, getting teams to their ceiling. That's why I thought last year was such a good job. I think it was probably one of the best jobs he's ever done in coaching, especially because they had to basically rebuild their entire roster like stylistically after. Um, like they had to change how they played, obviously. They were going to play a lot through Perkins, now they do it through Collins. So I think that's maybe a good reason to knock them down a peg if, you didn't, if you're not believing them. It's like top 25 to top 30 nationally. But if you want to put them 40, I think that's a decent justification. But I think talent-wise, I, I truly believe talent-wise, they're right there with all those teams. So I, but I, I don't think this team is like substantially less talented, given the experience level that this group has. I don't think they're I don't think they're like less talented than like Miami and Memphis. I don't think it's that big a jump. Really? I don't think so. I mean, Javon, wow. these guys would. I think like the, those would be three like top 40 to 50 transfers in the sport. Plus, Javante Perkins, who started at Missouri. Why? I mean, that's I – mean, yeah, I guess it's never a sure thing, but we just went through all the talent that Bonnie's had. And, like, we all anointed Bonnie's as a top 25 right. team. And and one of the years Bonnie's was a top 30 team, and one of them they didn't mesh, right? Like, Yeah. So. And, and we just went over Travis Ford. Talent ac- acquisition is not the problem. Hmm. They Fair don't always enough. play their ceiling. Back me into the corner there. Well I played, sir. I don't think I'm, I'm like an anti-Ford no, guy. No, no, you're not, you don't have him like, Ford. yeah. If you had him 60th, I'd be mad at you. 40's fine. I'm telling you, stay away from these anointed mid-majors. Stay away. Every year, it feels like it truly is. Somebody will pop up, but it won't be it won't be Dayton, San Diego State, or UAB or San Diego. Well, I'm, I'm all in on San Diego State. We'll get to that another week. All right, next up is Richmond. Richmond... <clears throat> Pulled an NCAA tournament out of its ass last year. We we've got the huh? They were they were not very good. This is, this is another team. Time and time again, we were sold this core, this talent. They went yeah, they were ten and eight. Jacob Gilliard is so amazing. But didn't uh, didn't Greg didn't, Golden so amazing? But, All but, these guys, they mesh. They play the weird system. Brad, they're back Brad, cutting. Did, they're didn't back, didn't didn't shot quality say that they beat Providence? Yeah, they crushed them. <laughs> Providence won the game at 28 points. I mean, they beat Iowa. Everyone's darling. Yeah. For like the third straight year where we said Richmond's going to make the tournament, they uh, finally sneak through, finally win that A-10 tournament, take down the billboards in Richmond. Um, so, like this team now, I, I mean, th- there's no way this team's going to be good. So, Tyler, so, Tyler Burton is very good. Good player. And then they're surrounding him with like these – it's kind of whatever transfers. So, 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 so hold on here. Hold on here. Let me, let me give the, 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 the case for like semi-optimism. Greg Golden is great. It's not, you're not, you're not like for like replacing him, but Neil Quinn is like a Grant Golden. He's a Richmond type center, right? Like they've had um, multiple guys over the years that have played that, that style of play. What was the kid's name? Like TJ Bryce. No. Um, um, Oh, jeez, what's his name? 
He was Nancy Klein. Lee's son. TJ Klein. TJ Klein, yeah. Right. Like, you can he's go really back. Good. Yeah, great. Awesome player. Like, you, you can go back. Like, all the, they always, you always have to have that big guy that, you, that can pass. And Neil Quinn is a big guy who can pass. He's not mobile, but he's like seven feet tall. He can pass. He averaged 17 or 14, 7, and 4 at Lafayette. I think they, they've just basically down, slightly downgraded Golden, right? Uh, the score, the, the, the shooting, right? That's a big part of their team. Um, they, they will miss like Nick Sherrod and they will miss uh, Gustafson, the guys who made shots. But like Jason Roche is an elite shooter. Jason Roach from Citadel is an elite shooter. He's going to be awesome for them. He's going to be so hard to guard in that system. And Gustafson's back, by the way, I think. So I'm, yeah, I was going to say. I was frantically pulling up the roster. But, but J- J- Jason Roach is an elite shooter. So love the, love the center spot. Love the shooter. Love Burton. But what they're going to miss is the point guard. And the point guard was Gilliard. He was awesome for them offensively, but he was awesome, awesome defensively. I'm starting Jason Nelson at the point. I don't know how realistic that is. I'll, let me check the almanac and see if they have then who? Huh? Oh, the I know. Nelson. I'm with you, brother. Well, like you were saying, like, okay, they, yeah, they need their passing Nelson. center and they got him. They need, they, they need the shooting. They need X, Y, and Z. But, like, when they have that stuff, they're not even that good. Where did I put them? I... I put them like 102. I put them like right outside my top. I have I have 101. So when we're saying like okay, they need their passing big man, like they need him to finish 101st. I mean, they're gonna be like seventh in the A10. It's not bad. It's a good year. It's not a horrible year. <clears throat> I remember being at a Richmond URI game when they had Justin Harper. I think that was the year they made the Sweet 16. Now we're saying that uh, 101, 102. That's, that's not bad. <laughs> Such a hater. All right, on the GW, year one, Chris Caputo. Um, not a lot to say here. Uh, Caputo wasn't super active roster turnover-wise. Like, I thought this thing was going to flip. There were culture issues galore under Jamie and Christian um, in his three-year tenure. Guys coming in, guys coming out. For the most part, everybody stuck. Um Bishop and Ricky Lindo are the centerpiece of this team, along with Brendan Adams. The only real big newcomer is Maximus Edwards from K-State. But I think he's going to start. That's like a fine... Right. That's like that's a fine whatever roll the dice down transfer. But like if that's your big impact newcomer, I'm not really excited about it. Uh, Brendan Adams maybe get a year two transfer bump. He didn't really live up to the hype uh, a season ago. Bishop can really play make, and Lindo's a good player, but I think this team is pretty pretty blah on paper. Yeah, and then they're losing Damazil and Freeman. Freeman, interconference transfer to URI. Damazil to Oklahoma. And now it's not about who, who, who you lose, it's about who you have. But we just described to replace those guys they added, a guy off the deep bench from Kansas State. Caputo, I think it's a good hire, but I just, yeah. I have them, I just want to confirm where I have them nationally, or in the A-10. I have, in the A-10, I have them 11th. I'm 12th. And nationally, we have the George Washington Colonials at 159. Which might even be high, quite frankly. All right. 
not much more to say about the Colonials, which means we move to Fordham. Interesting year for Fordham. 500. Big deal. Kyle Neptune, year one. And then the rug gets ripped out from under them. And Mr. Neptune is off to Villanova. And the new head coach in, for player attention purposes, is Keith Ergo, who um, was on the staff of Penn State for Pat Chambers. Kind of like a you know, grinder lifer. What an unbelievable opportunity for him. Um, I talk a lot about this with coaches in the industry. Like, this thing is so unpredictable. Like, Keith Ergo probably couldn't have gotten, like, two calls back to try to be trying to interview the year before and Isaac coach at Fordham, but he got fired at Penn state the year before. And now he's, you know, the head coach of the A-10 and Carmen Mascherelle at Seattle, same thing. Could get a call back to be the head coach the year before he goes on staff. All of a sudden, here we go. Head coach. You just get these breaks sometimes. And Ergo's got one. Uh, this team was brutal offensively last year, 320, 321 on Ken Palm, but they were great defensively. They fought, they battled, they were well coached, disciplined, and their guards were just good enough. Even when Antonio Day left midseason, guys like Quisenberry, uh, Antrell Charlton, Kyle Rose, that was enough to battle and steal some games that maybe they shouldn't have. They were tough at home, uh, grinded out some games, won a conference tournament game. That's a big deal. Um, how sustainable it is, I don't really know. I love the Khalid Morad. I know it's like random, but like freaking love the Khalid Morad. He played at Georgia Tech. He's great. Great, like glue guy. Great glue guy. He was a guy, like, when he came on the board, I was like, like the way I was, like, Anthony Gaines immediately, like, CM needs this kid. Like, Khalid Moore was like, take this, like, get get him on the phone ASAP. Go support him. So, talent level's still pretty low, I think, right? They got to have some of these freshmen, like Will Richardson, uh, Noah Best. Some of these guys got to step up. Yeah, they, they have some starters coming back. Um, right, but they need some talent. Yeah. Not, not, not super high talent. And they're, I mean... Antonio Day was only there for half the season, and then Chuba Ohams is gone. He was there for 100 years. Um, so that's, you know, two two serious scores, and 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 they were still good after Day left, um, or good for Florida standards. But um, yeah, Rose and Charlton and Timbilla all started last year, so um, slide more in there with. Quisenberry as a best player, and I'm not super high on this talent level, but that's at least a decent place to start from. I mean, Fordham has exactly zero players who last season, wherever they played in college basketball, shot over 50% from the field. So that's a little concern, including both of their centers. You love picking on these young bigs. Let Rodislav. You're such a hater. You're, you're really, you're really on me today. What, what did I ever do to you, Brad? Like, why can't, why can't I be critical of guys in, in peace? I have four and 13th in the league. Yes. Yeah, me too. Oh, wait. Um, Hold on. Because there's now 15. Yeah. Do you have 14? Yeah, I did put them 14, but I may want them 13. I have them 190th nationally. That's that's pretty far lower than uh, George Washington. That was, that was like 30 spots lower. Yeah, I think they're 30. I think they're 30 spots less talented. I mean, compared to James Bishop, Brendan Adams, and Ricky Lindo, yeah, yeah, maybe even more than that. But so, all right, not gonna spend all day on Fordham as much as the fans might enjoy. We have a um, lot of teams to go too. 
We do. We have six more. So oh fair with us, folks. What happened to George Mason? I remember when Kim English was going to be the next Maryland coach. They won four games to start the year. They covered the spread in all four. Then they blew out Stony Brook, Penn, and Morgan State. Then they beat Maryland. And I, George Mason was going to win the national championship. And from there, it kind of fell off a cliff. They lost five games straight after that. Turned around. Got it right. Won seven of nine. And then closed. They, they, they were 11 and seven at one point. They were on a 14 and 16. So three and nine in their final 12. They played a ton of close games. Didn't win a ton of those close games. They had no depth. That was a big deal for them last year. I mean, it was pretty much the five dudes, Johnson, Cooper, Gaines, Schwartz, and Oduro. They didn't have a lot outside of that that they could trust. And I think there's good reason to be optimistic. I mean, look, they still were 113th in Ken Palm. That's a good, like a solid year. They want to jump that. I think they will jump that. Um, even though they lose to Sean Schwartz, uh, who was obviously a big part of their team, a guy who could score the ball at, multi, at, at, at all, all three levels, big physical, 3-4, could really shoot it, was tough to guard, tough matchup. But Oduro's a stud. I mean, Oduro's one of the three or four best players in the league. Uh, I love Ticket Gaines. Ticket Gaines is one of my favorite players in the country. Uh, and they bring in some talent here. I mean, Cooper is back. So there's three of the core five from a season ago. But they bring in Justin Fernandez, top 100 recruit. Um, he'll help them a lot. What's up? Big-time athlete. Can get to the and ball. a mid, mid-season enrollee. So a little bit of experience. Uh, they bring in Victor Bailey, who – Different player, obviously, but kind of steps into the Deshaun Schwartz veteran, former Kim English player role uh, that will, I think, lead, probably maybe lead them in scoring, like him or Oduro, one of the two. I think he's going to have a big year uh, for them. They also add a couple of transfers who can, I think, fill roles in uh, Ginnika Ogiaco. That's John Ogiaco, for those that remember Virginia Tech. He's now going by Ginnika. Um but Ojiako, big monster center that allows them to play uh, a little bit bigger, give Odero some rest, let him play the four. Uh, and then they also brought in uh, Saquon Singleton, who's like a big, uh, athletic, long point guard who can, like, who's a Juco All American at Hutch. Uh, kind of uneven tenure at New Mexico that included uh, a severe heart issue uh, due to COVID that hurt his rhythm and his ability to play. Cut him out of the rotation for a long time. Glad he's healthy. But I think this team's really talented. They even have some like, other guys too, like Devin Dinkins was a good recruit. Elvis Naji was a good recruit. Malik Henry's an elite athlete. Like they have some athletes. This team looks like in the layup line like a high major team. Will it work out? We'll see. But I, I think there's good reason for optimism here. So I, I'm third in the A10. Ooh. I'm 57. Actually. Where'd you have 57? 57. Woo! Buying all the talent. I what happened to like, what, uh, so so I, I'm no longer the Kim English guy. This is your. He, I'll send I'll, uh, I'll send you his number. You can text him. Become buddies. I love the Victor Bailey ad. He he's he's been around forever. He he's been in in the rotation before. He just got boxed out on like very good Tennessee teams. He can really score. I think he'll be easily double figure scorer. I think he's gonna have like 15. Yeah, Singleton's like a nice. He can play one through three. Good compliment with he's, Shooter, Cooper, Score, Bailey. That's he's probably the only question, though, right? The point guard spot. That's really the one. I think if you were looking at the team, they want, what's one thing they could have done better is address the point guard spot a little more clearly. Like Bailey's going to have, have, have the ball in his hands. Right. Um, so Oduro. And then I like this front court mix. So you got skill Oduro. You got the big physical Ojiako. 
versatile wing in Gaines. Love Fernandez. I was very upset he committed to George Mason and canceled his Providence visit. Um, he's just like everything you want in a wing. Athletic, can hit shots, handles the ball, play multiple positions. Um, and then their bench ha- is kind of filled out with a couple of guys who have played a little bit previously. Uh, Blake Jones, right? He's a kind of a skilled big from New Zealand, right? Yeah, kind of a, a zig athlete. for the rest of the roster, Zag. Yeah, and then Polite um, has been around to play that yeah. backup point guard spot. Um, and then I don't think Elvis Nadi is going to play a lot, but he's like a athletic guy who's played an undersized center, but brother plays in the A10 and for modern basketball, he'll be perfect in, in a few years. And then Dinkins was like a top 250 recruit, undersized, but I think he's like a good pass first type point guard. I have him 80th nationally. You could talk me into a little higher, but I'm just not quite there. I have him sixth in the league, but the margins start to get pretty tight. So. Buy this talent, right? Because you have you have Josh Oduro as like a top 100 player, right? I mean, yeah, he's a monster. Yeah. They got a monster. They got great athletes. They got shot makers. They have, and I, I love Ticket. I mean, I love this group, man. I do. So. All right, two more relevant teams and three. Irrelevant teams. Where's URI? That's one of the two. UMass is first. UMass seven and eleven in the league a season ago. What did David Cox do to this team? Move on. They went five and twelve last year, bro. God. <laughs> Maddie McCall out at UMass though. We'll start there. Um, Frank Martin in. I think we both were like lukewarm on this hire when it happened, Brad. Until the pieces started to come flooding in, it's oh. like, all right, we're going to be big, we're going to be physical, and we're going to take the A-10 by storm. I, I think I think the question that, that we had, and I said this on other podcasts, and Frank Martin actually quote-tweeted me. I got cut horrendously out of context. Like, I was on this dude's podcast, and they asked me about Frank Martin. I said, look, like, I was concerned that, you know, it was so taxing the last couple of years. You could see it in Frank, like, the way it took it out of him. Um, you know, physically, obviously, he was dealing with some health issues. It seems like he's doing better now. Hopefully he's doing better. I just wondered, like, were they getting 100% of Frank Martin? Were they getting, like, intensity factory Frank Martin, right? And everything he's done since he stepped on campus has been a win. The recruiting's been great. The fan engagement's been great. He's hired two former head coaches to his staff and Alan Edwards, uh, who was at Wyoming, and Derek Kellogg, who was great at UMass at recruiting, just couldn't, you know, get it over the hump, build teams. He one great team. Yeah. Chaz Williams and Caddy Lane and Raphael Putney. Recruited some great players. Really, really good players. Um, and brings in a lot of talent, right? A lot of NEPSAC kids and a lot of Northeast kids, right? And Razul Diggins, Matt Cross. Um, Johnny Thompson, Wildens Levesque. Johnny Thompson, Wildens Levesque, Taquan Woodley. All these guys were Northeast kids. Tafari Gapari is a DMV kid by way of New Zealand. Um like the talent, uh, Isaac Conte, this whole team, I mean, this, this team is freaking talented. Like this team, if you roll out the ball in the ACC with them, like physically would look the part. I don't think, I don't I, like proven wise, obviously I think that you'd be picking at the bottom, but I mean, talent wise, they're freaking there, man. Like Noah Fernandes is awesome. Diggins is a great roll of the dice. Levesque is a good, solid starting center in this league. Gapare is an X-factor of all X-factors. He's got TJ Weeks back who can really shoot it. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road because 
we've seen with Frank in the past, like they've had their struggles early in the season uh, and then become a factor in conference play. And I think this will be kind of exaggerated by the fact that so many new faces and a lot of them haven't played a ton of basketball. I mean, Cross has been in and out. Obviously, Diggins didn't play at UConn last year. Capare is new. Right? Like, I think there's going to be some challenges with that. But, man, oh, man, you have to like the talent. You don't like it a lot. Like, I, I think you, like, you're talking about buying the talent. I think you've got to be buying this UMass team, Brad. Yeah, I, I have them sixth in the A-10, um, which comes out nationally to 84. I have them 74 nationally, fifth in the A-10. I mean, Levesque was like a solid SEC starting center. I think he'll be like a, a very good A-10 starting center. Fernandes was very good last year. They got a ton of size. Like, they have, like, overwhelming size for the A-10. Yeah, they're just going to bully people. I, I think the pro, the prognosis of this team or the, the future of this team is going to rely on what Matt Cross is going to give them. Yeah, they need a lot from him. He's playing the three instead of the four. And, you know, former top 75 recruit was billed as, like, this inside-out threat who could really shoot it. Um, they need, like, leading scorer-type production from Cross to, to be, like, an NCAA tournament. Team. I don't know if they need leading scorer. They just need, like, really high-level shooting and consistency. I think they can get scoring from Diggins and Fernandes and be okay. I mean, what a tournament team, though. I'm right. Sorry. To be a tournament team. I mean, to take that I, jump, yeah. I think, I mean, look, Rizal Diggins was a top 60 recruit. Yes, it was the COVID year, so we don't really know how good he is, but, like, that's a heck of a dice roll. Yeah, Thompson was top 130. Gopare for this year was, what, top 75? Yes. They have guys coming back, or with Weeks and Fernandez who have been productive. So, yeah, they, I mean, they have a lot going for them. All right, on to Rhode Island, who, as you said, what did David Cox do to them? That's what we'll try to dissect. It's a lot of new faces. Uh, a lot of them are gone from the Cox era, which ended relatively ugly. 5-12 uh, and 12 in the A-10 last year, disappointing, not where this program should be. Um, lose Makai Mitchell, Mikhail Mitchell, Jeremy Shepard, uh, Antoine Walker, but I think there, there's some optimism about some of the pieces you bring in. Definitely longer-term guys with Archie Miller coming in as head coach. Uh, we've talked about it in the past. Archie's transfers that he brought in, I think there was a lot of people who thought maybe they'd go super, like, flip-quick mode, and this is not that. Right? Brand Freeman's a three-year kid. Brandon Weston's a three-year kid. Jeremy Fumena might start at center for them. He's a freshman. Um, Anthony Harris is not going to get there until the mid-year. But he's a multiple-year potential kid. Alex Chaku, multiple-year kid. Like, this thing is built to last. And I think built to win next year, not this year. But I am excited to see how these pieces come together. Guys like Freeman, guys like Weston, guys like Fumena in year one. I mean, they have pretty good defense. Like, they have a pretty a- athletic group. Especially if you're going to start either Jalen Carey or Brandon Weston with Harris out in yep. the front court. Malik Martin, and then between Chiku, Balau, and Fumena, I mean, the, those are three, like, big athletic four fives. I mean, Balau d- didn't really live up to the buzz that he was getting preseason at, at, at Wichita, but he's big and athletic. Five points a game at Juco, so. Playing this, this uh, five spot around 
a, a guard heavy offense. Just be athletic yeah. and be physical. Oh yeah. And he is certainly physical. You know, monster physically. I I, I guess the, the issue with, with a URI, and I have them eighth in the A ten outside the top hundred. Um, Brand Freeman's your best player, probably. But he wasn't even really the best player at George Washington. They have a lot of like nice role players, but they're gonna need, you know, some of these long-term guys with with, with multi years like a Brandon Weston or a- Alex Chaku to, to really be high-level impact players from you know for, from the start. I give I give Arch I will say I give Archie a lot of credit. Uh, the talent they have coming in for 23 is really solid. They've recruited well there. Like I think this thing's on an upward trajectory. I just don't know how much of it's this year. I haven't won 21 nationally. Because like these these older guys like Ishmael Leggett and Jalen Carey and Malik Martin, they're like fine role players. They're fine fifth sixth best players, but this team needs a little more high end talent. Especially in the shot making department. Agreed. All right, wrap up mode. St. Joe's. St. Joe's. Another disappointing year relative to talent for Billy Lang. Uh, lost to Drexel and Monmouth, and uh, in, in the non-conference, lost to LaSalle in, in conference play twice, which is really bad. Three times actually. Getting swept by LaSalle last year was quite an achievement, but they somehow pulled it off. Um, lose Jordan Hall, best player. Was inefficient. I don't know where he wound up NBA wise. I know he's a guy that uh, San Antonio, three, two yeah, way. six foot seven, six foot eight, kind of playmaking point guard type player. He got to do it all, but this team was a wreck outside of him, uh, and now he's gone. I, it's hard to imagine that things will go much better without him. Uh, then you add Lynn Greer in the backcourt, who will go with Eric Reynolds, who has a good future ahead of him. Reynolds is a great recruit, um, played good as a played well as a freshman. Uh, was in the mix. Like, I think kind of the, the Robin to Hall's Batman. Like, I think it was kind of understood that Hall was, this was his last year, whether he tested the waters and portaled or he left altogether. I don't think anyone expected at St. Joe's that he was going to be back. Uh, so I don't think this was necessarily like a stunning loss, but certainly a Reynolds Greer backcourt doesn't feel quite as nice as a Hall Reynolds backcourt. And I just don't have any real faith in Lang right now with the job he's done. I mean, Obina is a nice player up front, front. Cool. They don't really have anything behind him other than Providence, former Providence commit Christ Isandoko. Christ. Sorry, my bad. Christ Isandoko. Um, I've I've watched a lot of Christ Isandoko. He he's pretty talented. He's pretty skilled, but he he is slow defensively. He is not much of a rim protector. He had seven feet. Uh, doesn't deter. Many shots in the lane, but he has a great touch. He can step out, shoot the three. He's a great passer, high IQ. Uh, he's just kind of a uh, previous era center where he needs like post touches and ball in his hands, and he's not going to play a ton of defense. Lang does have a good recruiting class coming in for next year. Um, some more like highly talented guys, but like. I've said this over and over again. Like, you never hire a coach for players. You never keep a coach for players, right? Like, if the coach couldn't do it with the like, like if you couldn't get out of the cellar with Eric Reynolds and Jordan Hall and Ryan Daly and the guys they've had, like, what, why, why would it be different with the next group? 
right? Like go get a coach that you believe in. Go get Matt Langle. Go get one of these guys. Get in the mix. Go get Kamani Young. I, I I have zero optimism here with 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 Mr. Wang. Yeah, none. Okay. Sounds like breakout player Casper Klauschik. So toss that on your list. <clears throat> I have St. Joe's nationally. Where do I have the lovely uh, St. Joe's team? Let's see if I can search through my docs. Ah, 193rd. I think I'm flipping Fordham and Joe's. I'm doing Fordham 13, Joe's 14. There you go. We're on the same page then. Which brings us to LaSalle, who I think will both have 15th. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fran Dunphy. This is fun. It's interesting. Hire himself. I don't think Fran wanted the job. Then why did he hire I, himself? No, he, he kept telling them, like, no, no, you can't hire him. we got to hire someone else. And all those other people said, like, screw this. Like, I'm not working at LaSalle. And eventually they came back to Fran. I believe the story is, like, his – like best friend is like the big booster at LaSalle or like a huge bazillionaire and like will give LaSalle a bunch of money. And I think the idea is that like LaSalle, which is struggling financial waters, will uh, get some gen- you know, local excitement, be able to invest in like a stadium in a new arena and then build up the you know, the facilities to make this thing relevant while Fran coaches for three or four years and then retires. But in terms of this year, I mean, I, I I would imagine that Fran Dunphy is a better access and OS coach than Ashley Howard, but like, I don't quite know why players would like care what Fran Dunphy has to say. Like he's so old. He's not like a, a Rick Pitino level guy. Right. Like he did a great job at Temple. You know, and all the Philly schools do that. So they bring in uh, the Drame twins, Fusini and Hassan from St. St. Peter's. So that's fun. Good defenders. Not really anything more than that. There also seems to be a lot of excitement about Rokas Josius, the Lithuanian uh, big man. He was a guy who I think was on like the U19 circuit, like a guy that I've seen play before. I don't remember him in particular, but I remember the name. That's a nice little addition for for Mr. Dunphy, but yeah, this is this is not going to be pretty. The uh, Drama Twins are pretty cool. They, Good they can really defend. Speaking of the old U18 circuit. It, oh yeah, Molly. They were good for Molly. Yeah. Josh Nickelberry had that was their that was their original Cinderella run. That's right. I and actually talked. To, I actually, I talked to the Drama Twins about that before the Elite Eight game because I knew I needed like a big story to write about St. Peter's in the event that they made the Final Four because I kind of emptied the tank before the Sweet Sixteen with like the big story about how like shitty their campuses and whatnot. <laughs> um, and I was like, we need like another like great story about St. Peter's because we're gonna need it, right? Like it's, it's gonna be the biggest sports story of the year. Uh, and you know that that was that was my backup plan was the story of Hassan and Fusini Drame and how they, they, they he he said that it, it felt like a bigger deal when they were doing it with Molly because like people like get killed over basketball there that's what he said so cool guy uh, people will not be getting killed over basketball at LaSalle nobody gives nobody gives a damn remember I mean D- Dr John Giannini he he had Dr. a good John. team they made the Sweet 16 they had Tyrone Garland. And Ramon Galloway, I know. they had like four or five like really good guards. They were in the the first four, <laughs> and they won their way to the Sweet Sixteen. I know. They 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 kicked the shit out of Seattle that year. I remember I was at that game. Think about, like eighty to fifty. Think about that accomplishment. That was. I know, especially given like how people talk about LaSalle now. Like people, like I think a good good percentage of people in 
college basketball would consider LaSalle to be a worse job in Fordham because you just have the resources. It shows how fleeting this mid-major success is. I mean, oh, yeah. Old Dominion used to get eight seeds. Siena used to get eight seeds. Southern Illinois used to be really good. Thanks for the reminder, Brad. You got to hold on to this stuff. You got to, oh, jeez. I know. New Mexico got like a three seed with Steve Alford. I know. And lost in the first round to Harvard. Yeah. Siani Chambers. They had Tony Snell, Cameron Bairstow, Alex Kirk, and Kendall Williams. All right, we got to bring it home. Duquesne, 280th in Ken Palm last year, 6-24. and Complete <laughs> disaster. They, they started 1-0 in the 8-10. They lost their final 17 games to finish out the year. Tristan yeah. Freeman went to, like, all of these games – I don't know how his like eyes aren't weren't bleeding by the end of it. It's really bad. Um, their whole team was like these two freshmen, Amir Spears, Primo Spears, who's going to uh, Georgetown, and Jackie Johnson, who's at UNLV now. And they basically just like took turns like heaving shots. It was not pretty. They didn't guard. Their their interior was brutal. That that you know, of course that produced Mooney up transfer to Syracuse Mooneyhima. So quite a quite a thing I, I actually think duquesne's gonna be better this year like a good deal a good amount better like dan broad is a good coach like keith like yes they were horrible last year but keith dan broad has like one in his career he's never he's he's always had issues with guys leaving especially at duquesne like they've never been able to keep the talent but they've always gotten kids and they've actually gotten some nice ones this year uh tevin brewer and day grant brewers from fiu grants from miami of ohio that'll like solidify them like that that alone like gets them like relevancy. They have Kevin Easley and Trey Williams back up front. I love Quincy McGriff. They get healthy, hopefully RJ Gunn. They're still not like necessarily. I still necessarily love the center spot. Trey Clark, JUCO kid, was at VCU, can really guard. Like I, I, I think this team will be just fine. Like they're not, they're, I mean, just fine. Like they're not gonna be great, but like I'm 11. I, 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 I have Duquesne 177 nationally. Like that. They'll, they'll no longer be like eyes bleeding bad. Let's put it that way. No, I think for an A10 team to be fine, you got to be around around the top hundred. Fine, but it's Duquesne. I mean, I mean, Dambrot's had some pretty good teams there, right? I mean, Dambrot's best team was 95. Means that they did okay. But in the last decade, they've been over 200 uh, five times and been under 200 five times so that's the bar and then you, you had mentioned that duquesne's best players are 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 no longer there from last year with a couple of up up transfers well salad the same thing but their best players go to nc state and providence it does make you wonder doesn't it yeah well, Johnson, I will say with Johnson and Spears, at least they were freshmen. Like, they were productive freshmen in the A-10. Give it a shot, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, like, when you had two, like, seniors, Jack Clark and Clifton Moore, who are, like, supposedly high-major players, and you were dreadful, yeah. It's an indictment. We will get definitive proof this year yeah. who was in the wrong, whether are these players wildly overrated for the, where they ended up, or were these teams inexplicably dreadful for the players they had. I mean, we, we just went through the St. Bonaventure starting lineup for last year, where they ended up. We went through some of this St. Joe's stuff. There's a lot of talent that just gets... that, that doesn't develop into team success in the A-10 and then gets siphoned away. Yes. All right, let's wrap it up. Um, quickly, the 
kind of hot seat, jump seat type stuff. Um, hot seat is thin because there's been a lot of turnover in this league. Um, really, the only two guys would be Lang and Keith Dambrot that I think you could see getting fired this year. Um, I think there's a decent chance that both of them do, but not a lock. Um, definitely been a lot of turnover. Obviously, you mentioned some of these guys the last couple of years. But there's a lot of names that could jump, right? Maybe Anthony Grant could after this year if they win. I don't know that that's likely, but uh, you can't rule it out. Kim English and Drew Valentine are, are two of the most highly regarded young coaches in the sport. Both guys are under the age of 35, young, relatable guys who played, like will be in the mix at big name jobs, you know, good pedigree. Um, Mike Rhodes, toss his name in every year. And Mark Schmidt, I mean, has tested the waters a little bit. Like, I don't know that there's a job for him, but like, Mark, 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 either he's always just doing it to like squeeze money out of you or he's like actually serious about thinking about leaving. But Mark Schmidt somehow gets his name in every job. So let's, let's get out of here. Yeah. Two One hours, 26 teams. Who else in the AAC is like not that. even going to be in the AAC next year? Who else is giving you the depth like this? We'll see y'all next week.